Welcome, my amazing listeners and the legends that always come back. And today I'm uploading because I was unfortunately really sick on the Monday. And having just recovered, I wanted to upload a brand new set of horror stories. Now, the only problem is, it's insanely stormy outside. Like, super stormy. I can feel my windows vibrating. My gosh. And I've already lost my power twice, which is very unusual. <laughs> so, I'm going to record this particular one without a outro and upload as fast as I can so as not to anger the lightning gods. Your three tales are Arachnoid, oh yes, it's to do with spiders but not in the way you think, and Visiting Hours is your second tale, a lanky, creepy cryptid, and your third tale is I drew a commission for a serial killer. The story, not me personally. <laughs> I'll shorten my thank yous. Oh my gosh, can you hear it? It's so loud. I'll shorten my thank yous here, but I want to thank the legendary, epic, fantastic, Odenite T-Titan, my pal, Matto Staff, your unbelievable jaw-dropping support. Thank you immensely, my friend. And thank you again for your lovely email. I really appreciate that. My white tea warlord, defeater of boredom, Lezuka Rex, thank you, my stalwart, amazing friend. I hope you're having a fantastic week. And my remaining Patreon tier supporters, I am lucky to have Chad Warren, Just Heather, Sunshine Days, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffaelli, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Paige Kramer, Jane Gumnick, Michael Krupp, Michael Krupp, Jandy Prince, and Seductive Smiles. Thank you, you very kind and special people. And now, let's get on to the stories. Enjoy. Whew, so loud. <laughs> Arachnoid. Jimmy Pfeiffer, Rocco Spinelli, and Geordie Knives all stood in an alley, staring at the corpse. It was just lying there, bleeding out all over the concrete. The trio was used to corpses. They'd been running with Silverbat's crew for years. A day where they didn't make a corpse was a rarity for them. What was unique about the corpse was its apparel. It was clad in an orange and black suit bodysuit, with large orange bug-eyed goggles on the mask, emblazoned on the solar plexus and now sporting a new hole, was a large orange spider. Rocco and Geordie looked at Jimmy, who was holding a still smoking gun in his hand. Jimmy was still staring at the corpse, hardly believing what happened. He'd just killed a cape. Specifically, he'd killed Arachnoid. The three of them had all had run-ins with the hero before. Arachnoid was an acrobatic, smart-ass superhero who'd flip around and make fun of them while kicking their asses. Sure, running into Arachnoid was better than running into someone like Mr. Punishment, but people in the trio's line of work tended to really, really hate capes. Arachnoid was no exception. Rocco specifically remembered the bastard pantsing him with his stupid webs, something he was still mad about. Rocco nudged Jimmy. 
Shoot him again, he said. Make sure he's dead. Jimmy just stood there, still in shock at what he did. People like Jimmy Fiverr didn't kill capes. Hell, even people like Doombringer or Professor Cephalopod didn't kill capes, despite their best efforts. And yet, there was Arachnoid, dead on the ground, with a hole from one of Jimmy's bullets in his chest. Rocco, tired of waiting for Jimmy, took out his own gun and started filling Arachnoid's corpse with more holes. How'd you like that, asshole? Rocco yelled, laughing with each gunshot. <laughs> if Arachnoid wasn't dead before, he was now. The cape's body had more holes in it than one of Geordie's knives' weaker albus. Geordie, who'd been quiet up until now, asked, How? Geordie had been there when Arachnoid was killed, had seen it happen, but even he didn't believe it. Jimmy couldn't blame him. I just... He flipped down, made some smart-ass comment, and I shot him. I... I didn't think I'd kill him. He usually flipped out of the way. Is this the real guy? Geordie asked. Fuck yeah, he's the real guy. Rocco answered. We all saw this fucker do his flippy-dippy web tricks and land in front of us. Only Arachhole is able to do that. We should call Dominic. Geordie said, referring to Silverback's second-in-command. Rocco scoffed. Why? So we can take the credit? He could pay us for this, Jimmy pointed out numbly. Rocco rolled his eyes. Fine, you gals run to Dirty Dummy. I'm gonna make sure that Arachhole's funeral isn't open casket. Jimmy and Geordie turned away as Geordie dialed up Dominic. Rocco, meanwhile, decided to pants the corpse. Petty, sure, but he was still pissed about what that bastard did to him, especially since it had been on the one day where all of his underwear was in the wash. Rocco pulled down Arachnoid's pants, revealing the hero's underwear. He had undies with little spiders on them. <laughs> Cute. Rocco turned away from the dead body and got out his phone planning on getting a selfie with the corpse. From his phone's camera, he suddenly saw a long, black arm burst from Arachnoid's chest. Before Rocco could react, the arm grabbed him by the throat and hurled him into a wall head first. His skull exploded like a watermelon dropped from a skyscraper. Geordie and Jimmy turned to see what that noise was. The first thing they saw was the bloody remains of Rocco's skull and headless body. However, before they had time to process Rocco's death, the gangsters saw more arms bursting from Arachnoid's chest. One arm became two, which became four, which became six. Then all six bent down to the ground and pushed something out. The creature exploded out of Arachnoid like a bug from a cocoon. It was tall, close to seven feet tall. Jimmy distantly noted that that seemed impossible. Wasn't Arachnoid shorter? Its six arms were attached to a large, bulky body, a body that stood up on two tree-trunk-like legs. 
each of its arms ended in clawed, three-fingered hands. Its head was dotted in hundreds of eyes, and in a place of its mouth were large, snapping, drooling pincers. The creature was covered in hair like a tarantula, hair matted down by arachnoid's blood. The creature stood for a moment, looking around the alley, breathing heavily. Jimmy and Geordie just stared at it in horror, hoping that maybe, if they stayed still, the creature wouldn't notice them. For a very long moment, no one moved. The only sound made were the creature's breathing and the tinny voice of Dominic from Geordie's phone, asking what the hell was going on. Suddenly, the creature jumped onto a wall, the same one it threw Rocco into, and crawled with incredible speed towards the two horrified gangsters. Geordie and Jimmy ran as fast as they could, away from whatever the hell this creature was, Geordie yelled into his phone, Dom, get, get us some backup! backup. Arachno is dead and is now some... Geordie was cut off as the creature snagged him at the web line from one of its claws. It started reeling him towards it. Jimmy, help me! Geordie yelled as he was being dragged away. Jimmy stopped briefly only to see Geordie yanked into the monster's grip. The creature jumped onto a rooftop, taking Geordie with it. Even when they were out of sight, Jimmy could still hear Geordie screaming. Jimmy ran down the labyrinth of alleyways, away from the screens, trying to get away from whatever that was. That couldn't be. Arachnoid, right? Arachnoid was some smart-assy prick, not that. He wasn't some kind of monster. He didn't kill. He just made jokes and webbed up bad guys, right? Jimmy stopped, breathing heavily and hoping he wasn't about to have a goddamn heart attack. Maybe, he hoped, he'd gotten away. He couldn't hear Geordie screaming anymore. Maybe that creature was satisfied killing Geordie and Rocco. Maybe it did spare him. Maybe something heard. Jimmy heard something above. Shit. He aimed his gun at the rooftops, waiting for any more movement. Anything to give him a clue where that thing was. There! He fired, praying to God that it hit something. His prayers, however, fell on deaf ears as he didn't hear a scream, a cry, thud, or any noise that would indicate he had hit anything. He walked backwards, still looking up, gun aimed in the air. You think, think you can, can kill me, freak? He yelled with a confidence he didn't feel. I killed you before, and I'll do it again. More movement. He fired again. Maybe, maybe that got him. Jimmy thought, as he continued backing up. He looked down and saw a spider coming towards him. Jimmy stepped on the bug. That one of your cousins, freak? He yelled. He saw another spider crawling around. Wait, not just another spider. Spiders, hundreds of them, all coming towards him. He tried firing at them, but he had nowhere near enough bullets to get them all. They started crawling up his shoes and onto his legs. He dropped his gun in a panic, flailing about and patting himself down, trying desperately to get the bugs off him. 
Despite his best efforts, he could still feel hundreds of tiny, eight-legged bodies crawling all over him. In his frenzy, Jimmy lost his balance and fell back into something sticky. A web. A giant spider web. He struggled furiously to escape, but he was unable to even budge it. As he struggled, more and more spiders crawled towards him. They were crawling onto the web, and on his legs, and up his pants, and onto his chest, and arms, and neck, and oh god, he was covered in spiders. Jimmy screamed, a poor decision, as spiders raced into his mouth. He looked up and could see above him, perched on the web, the monster that came from Arachnid's corpse. His large, blood-soaked body and many eyes were illuminated by the moonlight. The creature crawled towards him, its pincers snapping in anticipation. He tried to scream, or beg, or apologize, or say anything, but his throat was too clogged with spiders to get any noise out. The last thing Jimmy Fiverr ever saw was his own terrified, spider-covered face reflected in the creature's many eyes. Written by Darkpool I drew a commission for a serial killer. I draw porn for folks who pay me money. Honestly, it's not the worst way to make a few bucks. People are going to be horny, and if you have the stomach, they'll pay you to indulge their weird kinks. If you're lucky, you can get commissioned by a suspiciously wealthy furry and have your rent paid for a few months. Sure, you've got to draw their seven-foot wolf OC farting on Pikachu, but hey, money's money. I've dealt with all kinds of weird fetishes and kinks as part of my career. Farting, pissing, scat, burping, egg-laying, hypermuscle, inflation, guru-sounding, vor, diapers and feet, just to name a few. At this point, I know the designs and anatomy of the Overwatch gals and Rogue the Bat like the back of my hand. I have limits though, no kids, and political figures. Lolly grosses me out, and the thought of drawing a naked Donald Trump makes me want to puke. <sighs> Other than that, I'm pretty amenable to most things. I'm bringing all of this up to make it very clear that I've got a strong stomach for folks' kinks. I'm not someone who looks at deviant art groups like Hypnosis Feet and thinks, truly, these people are disgusting degenerates and their kink is a sin. Though to be fair, the foot fetishists are degenerates, but mainly because they're super annoying. So, with that all established, let me tell you about the guy whose commission scared the shit out of me. It started a few weeks back. I was scrolling through Twitter when I get a message from someone going by Woody Chuck. Hello, I would like a commission, they said. I gave them my prices. Woody Chuck was willing to pay and told me the commission idea. I want a pic of a naked woman in a wood chipper. She needs to be inserted feet first. She's in up to her hips, so only her torso upwards is visible. She needs to look like she's in pain, like a lot of pain. Okay, that's a new one, I'll admit it. I've done gore stuff, but the woodchipper thing isn't something I've been asked to do before. Hell, I don't think I've even seen anything like that before. I decided not to let it bother me though. I've been asked to do erotic Saki Sanabashi fan art before. A woodchipper isn't too over the line. 
I asked Woody Chuck for more details. How should the woman look? What background did they want? That sort of thing. Woody Chuck replied that the woman should be slightly chubby, have dark skin, black hair, green eyes, and a scar on her left cheek. The background should be an abandoned cabin. I said okay, and asked for payment. I like to get payment first, as I'd rather not spend hours doing a Sonic the Hedgehog inflation pick only for some schmuck to just ghost me, which has happened before. Woody Chuck did pay though. I got some money from a PayPal account with the email chipper at yahoo.com and then got to work. Over the course of the week, I sent Woody Chuck various sketches and images of my progress as the commission progressed. Honestly, Woody Chuck was a bit of an annoying client. They kept asking for very minute changes and would sometimes want me to redo an aspect of the image they already approved. Sure, they weren't the worst client I've ever dealt with. That would be a guy who asked me to do a pic of some character buying Wonder Bread of all things. But they weren't my favorite kind of client. Eventually though, the pic was done and they were happy with it. I was happy with my money and went about my day while Woody Chuck probably jerked off to the woodchipper pic. Hey, no judgment. The next day, I get a message from Woody Chuck asking for another commission, another woodchipper picture, but this time with a different woman. Also, this woman was to be bleeding half alive and missing all her fingernails and teeth. The word snitch should be written in blood on her chest. I agreed to it and after getting payment, I worked on the commission. Woody Chuck was a bit more annoying this time around, demanding constant changes. They kept saying, no, that's not how missing fingernails look or you're doing it wrong. Finally, after a week of this back and forth, they said, look, I'll send you a reference pic. I was sent a low-res picture of a woman tied to a chair. Her mouth hung open, revealing that she was missing her teeth. Blood was cracked around her mouth and ran down her face. Her brown eyes were bloodshot and her makeup was running. Her fingernails had been removed, with her fingers still bleeding. The blood stained the chair's wooden armrest and the ropes tying her arms to the chair. She was topless with the word snitch written in blood, most likely her own. What? The fuck, I thought, as part of me hoped it was a frame from a movie or some obscure porn or something. Sure, the camera quality was bad, but maybe that was a stylistic thing from whatever this was from, right? I did a reverse image search of it, nothing showed up. Maybe it was AI. Usually I hated AI art and would always be disappointed to see that sort of thing, but in this case, I'd be happy to find out some goober used Midjourney to make a gore pick instead of, well, I didn't want to think about the alternative. I took another look at the picture. Holding back my disgust, I focused on the fingers, five on each hand, all in the right place. The style wasn't the overdone, uncanny, almost realistic look that a lot of AI images had. Nothing about the face seemed off in an uncanny sort of way, and the eyes... I don't think AI would replicate that look and those brown eyes. There was genuine fear there. There was no way this was AI. Fuck. Okay, I told myself, calm down. Just ask Woody Chuck what this is. Maybe it's an art project or a frame from a movie they made. Just write back a calm, logical message and get to the bottom of whatever this is. What the fuck is this? I wrote back, reference, what's this from, me? This guy's got to be messing with me, right? I mean, sure, 
The pic looked realistic, and sure, I couldn't find anything like this anywhere else, and yeah, it wasn't AI generated, but it's not like this guy actually tortured a person and then sent proof of it to some porn artist for a commission. I bet it's just some in-joke I don't get because I'm not part of the woodchipper guru community. Maybe if I was more plugged in, I'd get it. I did a quick search for woman in woodchipper, which led me to an image of a murder victim named Marilyn Branson, a woman who looked a lot like the woman I drew in Woody Chuck's first commission, a woman who died in a similar way to what I drew. I don't scare easily. Slenderman, Michael Myers, and Jeffrey Dahmer aren't as scary when you draw them in a three-way. This, though, this was scaring the shit out of me. I looked more into the Marilyn Branson stuff, eventually coming upon a lost media hunt for some old creepypasta. I found a post where someone found the creepypasta after getting it from a person called Chipper. I thought of Woody Chuck's PayPal email, and the pieces began falling into place. The OP of the post mentioned getting an email with the subject line, Snitch, that ended with the phrase, See you soon. The picture Woody Chuck sent showed a woman with Snitch written on her chest. The OP mentioned they had brown eyes. I remembered the horrified bloodshot brown eyes of the woman in the picture. I sat back, stunned. A part of me kept hoping it was an ARG or that there was some logical, reasonable explanation, but I knew the truth. This was real. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to send this info to the cops or FBI or whoever, but OP did that and look where she ended up. I wanted to keep quiet, pretend this was fake and just finish the commission and never think about this again. I couldn't, though. I couldn't let a sick fuck like this keep killing people. However, I didn't particularly want to die either. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to think about this. I couldn't deal with this, so I did the only logical thing. I went to a bar and got black out drunk. This all happened yesterday. I don't remember what happened last night. All I know is that I woke up back at the home with one hell of a hangover. I went to the bathroom and threw up then collapsed on the cold tile floor. My phone buzzed. While I was rifling through my pocket to get it, I felt a random piece of paper and some sharp things. Weird. I didn't remember those being in my pocket when I left. I grabbed one of those sharp things. It was oblong and the bottom was caked in what looked like blood. It kind of reminded me of a fingernail? Confused and worried, I took them all out. There were ten in total and all of them were caked in blood. Oh no. Oh no. With a growing sense of dread, I took out that piece of paper and read it. Good to see you in person. Really loving your art. Hope that Uber I paid for got you home safely. Finish the commission or I'll be seeing you again soon. Written by Dorkpool. Visiting Hours Kira sits on her bed and stares vacantly at the opposing wall. She's tired, and she'd sell her soul to get a few winks in, if only for bad dreams. It's Halloween night, but she's not done much to mark the occasion, just a drink and a chat with her mates. Non-costumed, somewhere unbusy, mature, just a drink and a chat. 
Her phone buzzes. Your Halloween memories. It reads, a newish feature. She taps on the message, and a selection of appropriately festive images of her life greet her. It's typically fair. A selfie with mates, a spooky concert, an embarrassing picture of nine-year-old her trick-or-treating as a generic princess sent to her by her mother. Thanks, mum, she thinks. Naturally, her mind wanders back through those nights. The good, the bad, and everything in between. Eventually, she gets through every single image, and it occurs to her that he makes no appearances. Odd. When was it that he first showed up? Oh yeah, it was when he was a little girl at Splash Tech Water Park. It must have been, what, nine years ago today? Weird setting to mark the occasion, but the 50% off discount was too alluring for her financially challenged parents to let up on. She was by the pool, hearing her friends shouting and playing in the distance. All she wanted was to get up and join them. But something about the pervasive chlorine stench or the wild motion of the slides or the overpriced burger and fries she'd eaten, or perhaps all three, was making her feel sick. Ready to puke sick. Which is why she was doubled over on a set of steps instead, her legs chafing against the rough anti-slip surface. He came and sat next to her. She almost didn't notice at first, what with her head placed firmly against her thighs, and when she did, he gave her a bit of a fright. He couldn't have been much older than one of her classmates, but he was taller, ganglier, and pale, with eyes that seemed infinitely wide and deep. Cute, though. That was the first time she'd thought that about a boy. They talked for a little while. He was the more awkward between them, which put her at ease, never quite sure what to do with his hands. He had a funny voice, short and squeaky. Combined with his fair complexion, she figured he must have been foreign. Their topic of conversation eluded her. Probably something childish and meaningless. He left without saying anything, just as she realized she felt much better. Marco! She heard someone yell from not too far away, and she grinned, standing up to participate. The next time was a few years later, at a Halloween birthday party. The host's parents weren't around, so naturally, her peers had taken it as a chance to dip their toes into the vices of adulthood, with drinking and card games and smooching the night away. Kira found it all a bit disappointing, including the cigarette she was currently, quote, enjoying, end quote. She'd not had one since. <laughs> Though she was safe under the confines of a homemade bike shed, the rain was lashing down, giving her the notion that she ought to head back inside. She would have done so earlier, if not for the arrival of a familiar face. He was there again, frankly a behemoth by now. Kira had lamented being six foot in her teens, but he made her feel tiny. His head dipped down and his arms swaying loosely by his sides. They chatted again, her in a mermaid-themed costume and him in a loose t-shirt. It was mainly to do with the amount of time that had passed. He seemed reluctant to discuss the present. Too much to drink, she remembered thinking. There was some strange comfort in seeing his face again, but the persistence in his tone and pleading mannerisms gave her the willies. It wasn't malicious, just nagging, hopeful. 
She'd made her excuses and left him there in the cold. No one else had seen him that night. She tried not to think about it. And then, the most recent occasion. After many hours spent binge-watching YouTube videos, she found that urban exploration was a topic that interested her greatly. It took a while to muster up the courage to find somewhere herself, but when a friend of a friend brought up the old, forgotten, still half-full dam on the fringes of town, she couldn't resist. It was there that she spent the 31st of that year alone claiming her independence, armed with a torch, camera, and thick woolen coat. She'd gotten some great snaps, ones that would win her a contest later that year. There was one site that she'd been too surprised to remember, to immortalize, however. As she came out into the open at the bottom of the infinite spiral staircase leading to the water's edge, she saw him, no more than a quarter mile away on the other side. Except he was a monster, a towering inhuman skeletal thing whose proportions were too exaggerated to be human. He lumbered uncertainly under his own weight like a ragdoll, seemingly looking for something. Those huge eyes that she'd gazed into all those years ago now looked like they could swallow her whole. He noticed her, and worse, he began moving towards her. She couldn't take that. She turned and bolted up her steps until she felt like her heart would give out, and then kept running all the way home her camera bag trailing behind her. When her mother saw her panting in the front door, she told her she'd been chased by a mugger. No more lonely trips to lost places. She couldn't take the chance. Now, three years later, she watches the old cuckoo clock in her room through the reflection of her bedroom window. She's lost in thought. In the past. She thinks of a lot of things. She thinks about what she met. She thinks about her house, out in the sticks. She thinks about the running stream beyond the forest's edge. She thinks about the tree in her garden, and how much taller it looks today. Written by Corner Conic.